Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to be connecting with all of you. Welcome to the show. The Upright Thinkers. Yeah, Dr. Leonard Maloudenow is joining me here today on the show. So I want everybody to fasten your seatbelts for this show right here. The Upright Thinkers. Yep, I love it. And what a fascinating journey that we get to take. And just like I do with Mr. Benny. Hello, Mr. B. Hey, Pat, how's it going? It's going. Upright thinkers. Are you ready for it? The human journey from Always. living in trees to understanding the cosmos, right? Yeah, you know it. I, I know it. You know, sometimes I still think I'm in the tree, though. Well, don't, sometimes we I, all think that. I'll build I, a, tree, I'll, a tree. I'll fort for you, like a tree house. I'm all about that. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you. It's like, but you know, growing up in New York City, right? My There's not tree too many house, trees, right? <laughs> no, but I was the I'm monkey bars. Oh, right. I had the monkey bars. Okay. I was like, that's like a tree. Yeah. Monkey bars are kind of the equivalent of climbing a tree, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same idea, kind of, except it's like metal and, you know, there's everybody's trying to climb up and get that top spot. There you I've, go. And talked and about. Survival of the fittest. <laughs> survival of the fittest. I'm going to tell you, but something happens when you climb up the tree and then you fall down. Yeah. It's yeah. a whole different uh-huh, world. Uh-huh. It's a different world. But, you know, here's what I want to say about my guest today. I mean, think about it. Think about what we get to say yes to in life. This is what I love. I love that I get to chat with folks that, you know, don't even flinch when they think about, wow, this is really my life. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to be in the world. But maybe flinching is not the right word. Maybe what happens when we think about all of this, we think about the many, many ways that we are being called to step forward in life. Now, if you are he and you've taken a look at your life journey and you've, you've, you've heard about number one books, best-selling books, powerful messages, you want to just say, well, wait a minute, let me connect with him. Let me see what it is about his knowledge, what he's bringing and being called to bring to the forefront here today that's going to help liberate all of us, just like his own journey. You know, when we get to be in this world and we look back at what it was like to grow up, you know, both parents were Holocaust survivors. When we look at our journey and then see how it shapes us to take a very different message out into the world, maybe one that he didn't know he was going to take out. But what is it about some of this? What are the things we have to walk away from? Maybe it's a college education that we just don't want to continue. Maybe it's dropping out of school. Maybe it's traveling the world. Maybe it's all of the above. That's what he did. That's what I did. But what is it about that thing that we do that may seem so against the grain 
so unusual for the people around us to be looking at. What is it about all of that? Or is it just, you know, what happens when you're born in the Bronx in Brooklyn? You know, is that part of it? Somebody commented on my on the website that, that we're putting up, Dr. Papasilli, and if, you know, on the website, the first slider you see on the website is a little weird. It says, I'm just a girl from the Bronx. But this show today is about all of us understanding what our potentiality is. The Upright Thinkers is bringing a narrative to the forefront that I think, after reading the book, is more of an invitation to how we truly want to experience our lives by understanding how we have experienced our lives as humans. And what better way to set the stage for that? You know, whether it is looking at this this vast depth and breadth of, you know, his work, his education. You know, I love that he went full circle in 2005, but here he is. You know, his journal articles, I love the war of the worldview, science versus spirituality. Deepak uh, uh, Chopra also uh, co-authored that. But why is it, why is it a war of the worldviews? And is that really relevant today as we sit back and we listen to what's happening out in the world today? Are we having conversations about the worldview or are we having conversations about the world or have we, or are we having conversations about just our personal view? But the point is, what are you getting ready to say yes to? The upright thinkers are going to give us an opportunity to literally be upright thinkers. Leonard, thank you for joining me here today, Dr. Leonard. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Well, thank you, Dr. Pat. It's good to be here. Uh, I want to ask you a question before we jump right into the book. Um, I want to ask you a question about your journey and, you know, what it was like for you to become you today. So here's the question. What are the challenges? What are the obstacles? What are the wormholes that you had to go through to bring you to this very moment today? Well, I think if I had started uh, a few decades ago and said I want to, uh, I want to be a physicist, uh, you know, on the faculty at Caltech and publish mm-hmm. physics papers and write books and write for Star Trek, The Next Generation, and all that, it would have been uh, a lot of obstacles in the way, and it really wasn't like that at all. It was at each point in my life I've, I've followed my passions or my loves and what I wanted to do without much planning. And, uh, you know, I'm a little worried to recommend that to, to people because it can go wrong, but um, that's, that's what I did. And I, and I think that, you know, the, the good thing about doing that is that if you achieve it, then you're doing what you want to do as opposed to having some other goal that you choose for practical purposes. Um, you know, I can make a living at that. I'm good at that, so I should do that. And then you achieve that, but where are you then? You're, you're nowhere good, right? So my, 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 I, I've approached it with the point of view that I just want to follow uh, what I love and what I want to do at the time, and if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, I'll, I'll find a plan B. And <laughs> So, you know, if there are any obstacles, um, it, it was uh, it was my wandering, really, rather than <laughs> going around obstacles. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love the way you you say that. It was your wandering, right? Um, uh, and you know, I love I love the year 1993, and I knew I'd see that was a pivotal year for you. It was a pivotal year for me, for sure. 
I mean, some stuff happened that I never thought would happen for me. Uh, first of all, I got accepted into a school. OMG for that, right? But 1993 seems to be this year. And here you, here you were in 1993, again, another pivotal year for you. You know, what is it that you look at from your, uh, from your upright thinking view? When you look at your life, where you've been and where you want to go, what is the number one thing that pops into your mind? Well, passion, really. It, it, it's mm. what pops into my mind that I've always pursued what, what has, would bring me satisfaction and what I was passionate about. And I, I didn't mm-hmm. make a lot of compromises. And, you know, and I, I've managed to uh, always make a living at doing what I want. And so mm-hmm. I just feel very blessed and lucky. Yeah. I, you know, this is really part of the new narrative today that I think we get to have in the world. It's, you know, for us, that we're 13 years now. We, and I've said this before, they didn't think we'd left 13, last 13 minutes because we're talking about positive things here. We're talking about possibilities, not problems, not statistics. We're talking about like how we can learn from each other. And that's what I think you're doing here. You're bringing a conversation to the forefront that has a question mark for me in it. And the question mark is, where do we go from here? But before we get to that, I would love to talk with you about how you got to be here and, you know, the passion that was behind writing The Upright Thinkers. Well, I've always loved science, and I've mm-hmm. gone popped in and out of the scientific world and back to writing and back to science. And the question of what is the makeup of the universe around us and the world around us, and, and how do you know, you know, it's always that's always been a, a big question for me, and in particular, how do we fit in as humans? So it wasn't so much that I need to know how everything operates, but it was where does a, where does a human being come from? Where does the mind come from? What, 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 what is our place in the world of animals? What is our place in the world of matter and the, in the, in the solar system, in the universe, what is the meaning of our being here, and how how does it all fit together? And and how did we, how do we know that? How how do we investigate? And when you think about it, picture yourself back uh, in a field somewhere, a hundred thousand years ago or fifty thousand years ago, and you look around at the grass and the and the birds and the stars. Well, you don't know there's stars, these lights in the sky, and you don't know anything about them, right? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that that just by thinking and reasoning and looking around you and then doing little little experiments, little little games that you play and observing what happens, that you could make a laser, that you could send a robot to Mars? <laughs> I, I, it's just astounding that we could piece things together, and that's all part of a journey to find out who we are and, and where we fit in. Yeah, yeah, I love this because you know, for me, um, I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate, Len, because part of my journey was I got really, really sick in 2004. And you would think, whoa, poor thing. No, but I got really, really sick. And the, and the only thing that was going to help me, which I now know, was to step out into the world where people were using this thing I never heard of. I'm from the Bronx. Natural medicine. What is that? And, and, and how willing were the people that I got to bump into into the night to do some of what you're talking about, you know, to look at something in a way that perhaps had not been looked at before, 
So it's really exciting about this and about what you've written. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the upright thinkers. We're going to have a sense of, you know, from uh, Leonard's point of view, we're going to have a sense of what is it in here? And there are some really juicy tidbits that I didn't know much about. But what was the journey writing the book like? And what are some of the things that perhaps we did not know from our scholars, from our experimenters, from our game changers? Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. to The Truth is Funny with Colette Stephan each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our real house to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedemann Schaub for Empowerment Radio and learn breakthrough solutions to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in the first and third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific to Empowerment Radio with host Dr. Friedemann Schaub on Transformation Talk Radio. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com to learn more. Artie Hoffman is the hottest psychic with the warmest heart and the host of the hit show Angels and Answers. A renowned psychic, medium, spiritual life coach, and an entertaining motivational speaker, Artie has helped over 15,000 people with his amazing intuitive gifts, his passion, and his humor. Call 877-ANGEL-02 to schedule a personal reading or to have your own psychic Artie party. That's 877-ANGEL-02. And visit ArtieHoffman.com and Angels and Answers on Facebook. Are you ready for a game changer? Sarah Westall is bringing you Business Game Changers Radio. Sarah brings you leading experts, visionaries, and newsmakers who provide the best commentary on big issues and cutting-edge innovations. Sarah's 20 years as a business executive will help you think like an entrepreneur with expertise, energy, and attitude. Tune in to Business Game Changers Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, And actually, it's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Thank you so much. And boy, you know, thank you for your emails. Phyllis, thank you for that really sweet email listening through iHeartRadio for picking up the show. That's great. 
Thank you so very much for that email. And for those of you that connect with all of us all the time, we actually read all the comments that you send us, all the changes you'd like to see us make. We're making them. Um, ways to deliver things differently. Yep, coming up in about two months, you'll see a whole new platform for the way that we're going to deliver um, conscious conversations. Uh, but today it's about the upright thinkers. And I want to make sure that you all know how to get your copy of this book. And we actually, Benny, are going to give a copy away today. Uh, Leonard, what's the best website for people to find out more about you and find out more about the book? Well, they can go to my website, which is leonardmolodno.com, L-E-O-N-A-R-D-M-L-O-D-I-N-O-W.com. Or they can find me on Wikipedia. They can go to Amazon and look up my books. Um, uh, you know, if they forget my name, they can always look up Hawking on Amazon. And I wrote two books, mm -hmm. Stephen Hawking, so they can find me that way. Um, and if they just Google Leonard Mulatno, they'll, they'll, they'll find plenty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And by the way, you can go to Dr. Patro and just click on his picture. It's right there. Um, or Transformation Talk Radio. Many of you listen on Transformation Talk Radio. Um, you know, the book is The Upright Thinkers. It also says the human journey from living in trees to understanding the cosmos. What would you say after writing so many things in here? What were some of the surprises you got? Some of the because you're sharing some details that I think most people don't really know. But what were some of the, the key unique attributes of who we are as a species? What got under your skin? Well, one thing was that when, one thing the book covers is not, is, I mean, it starts way back when we were eight. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about the development of the brain and our mental, our mind. And one question I wanted to answer was, where did we get this intellect that we can use to, to you know, do science, to create literature and art, and to build a, the world that we have today? Because when we lived on the, in the African savanna and our bodies and our brains were evolving, we didn't have the need for that. So why did we get that ability? And it was it's fascinating that that we that our, our mental powers come from the need for social cooperation. We don't necessarily think of ourselves as the most social of animals. Uh, and we think of insects, for instance, as being social, bees and ants, but they have a very simple cooperation on the one-on-one -on -one or on the individual level that leads to complex behavior of the colony. But humans have by far the most complex web of interactions of any other animal, where we have a very deep, relatively deep understanding of what others think, of what they think that we're thinking, of what they think we think they're thinking, and, and so on. And for in, in, in networks of dozens or hundreds of people that we interact with and understand even our ability just to recognize people is, is outstanding compared to, let's say, our ability to understand, to, un to recognize different animals or cars or buildings. We have a very special ability to understand people and to read from their faces and their posture what they're thinking. And the reason we developed that was that, uh, that if you think of us among all the primates or among the other human species or others of which, which are now extinct, we, we are very weak. Chimpanzees are five times as more, more powerful than our, we are. They have sharper teeth. Uh, we, we are not that well physically fit to survive in the wild. And, mm -hmm. in fact, at one point about 140,000 years ago, we were down, human, the, our, the Homo sapiens species was down to about uh, 100 individuals. And what saved us was this ability to cooperate, 
to cooperate to get food, to avoid predators, to, to create shelter, and, 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 and cooperating groups of dozens of, of people working together for a common goal. And that cooperation requires a lot of brain power, a lot of processing power, the, the, uh, the ability to keep different people straight, to know what everyone's thinking and what motivates them, and to know who our friends and enemies are. It sounds like a very natural thing to us, but it's, uh, as animals go, it requires a lot of brain power. And that's the, brain, and that's the reason that we've developed uh, the ability to think abstractly, to, see, to think about the future, and to be able to create the uh, wonderful works of arts and sciences that, that we do. And so to me, that was a very inspirational uh, part of uh, my learning for this book, what was really the, the origin of human brain power. Yeah. And, you know, what you said is really interesting because, I, you know, what we think is very natural to us on our day-to-day basis and what we're doing, uh, I'm not sure how natural it is. I mean, I was talking with someone the other day and we were talking about the fact that, uh, you know, I get to sit here and talk with you. How does it get any better than this? Really? For me? Um, but it wouldn't have been something I stepped out and, and would have chosen for myself. And that's not actually how this happened. I dialed a wrong phone number 13 years ago, but I knew to say yes. And I didn't know why. And I still don't know why, but I knew to do it. And I will say though, that that was not an easy thing for, uh, for me to do, to really follow that pathway that perhaps on paper, cause I know, you know, this, right doesn't make logical sense and clearly doesn't make sense to the people around us, right? So mm-hmm. here's my question. As upright thinkers, are we thinking too much? <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Kind of, yeah. Some of our thinking is on an unconscious level and it's instinctive. And so we can overthink things on a conscious level. And, and, and what that means is that we, have a, uh, we know inside what the right decision is. And then we make the mistake of looking at it, mm. let's say, quote, objectively, and possibly overriding that decision that we feel is right by using all sorts of conscious reasoning. Mm-hmm. And our brains work on different levels, and it, it, it's, it's a mistake to think that the conscious reasoning is, is the superior level. Quite often it's the unconscious part of our brains that, that is superior. Yeah, I've I actually, mean, you I, write I, about I, this I, I in the book. book. You write about reason. I write about in this in upright thinkers, and I wrote another book called Subliminal, which is all about <laughs> the unconscious processes that go on and, and and drive and motivate your thinking and your feelings. Well, I want to ask you how bizarre this is. Are you ready for this, boy? I bet they didn't tell you that we were going to kind of go in this direction, right? I'm sure you do a lot of radio no. shows, but I I, I mm-hmm. really feel called to talk with you about this because you really address this so many ways in the book. I have a friend, Dr. Dan Cohen, neuroscience, you know, blend of spirituality and science. And he's created, and I'm just going to call it the chair, but it's a technology. It's, a, it's called the Soul Tech Lounge. It's technology. And what it does is you lay in this lounge and he has a vibration that literally comes through the chair. And part of the vibration is this layered music. When I first heard about this, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Really? Is huh. this real? I mean, this was me. I'm just being like right up front with you here. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really? He says, yeah, let me send you a chair. I cannot even explain what this does for someone like me whose mind doesn't stop. The first time that I used this, only for 10, 15 minutes, right? 
I Mm -hmm. had nothing in my brain. Now, I don't even know if that's possible, but it's hard to explain. I had nothing in my brain. And what happened uh, since is that this level of creativity starts to emerge. And I wanted to ask you about this because here we are upright thinkers. We have this amazing ability to be innovative and creative, you know, beyond our wildest dreams. And yet I found that for even somebody like me that spends a lot of time listening to people that have great messages such as yourself, it took a chair for me to clear my mind. Is this one of our greatest challenges right now? We have so much that we're bringing into our minds that we're just going, going, going in there. I don't know. Does it hurt or does it help? Well, Patty, you know, um, clearing your mind, studies in neuroscience have shown that clearing your mind and learning to do that and center yourself is is a very beneficial activity. I, I, in my friendship with Deepak Chopra, he he taught me how to meditate, and that's really mm-hmm. the same thing. And uh, this uh, this chair that you're talking about sounds like, in a way, it's almost a meditation aid. Yeah. Um, Deepak um, told me, he, you know, he'd give you a mantra when you meditate, and mm-hmm. he gave me mine, and and, uh, and he said, but it's not, don't, don't think you should sit there and thinking and chanting your mantra or focusing on that. You know, you want to, the idea is to clear your mind. And what happens is if thoughts start to intrude, then you can think about your repeating your mantra. And think of it, he said, think of it as a taxi, as a taxi ride. It's a taxi cab. It comes and it takes you from where thoughts are intruding back to the spot, place where your mind is, is clear. And this sounds like this, this, you might think that this chair you're talking about is that tax chair in your taxi that, that helps you do that. But, but I think that, uh, it, it, it's true, and it, it has a lot. There's a long history in Eastern philosophy of that, uh, and the, the benefits are that it, it can change uh, actually, the, you know, the wiring in your brain and the way you think, and it, you know, and, and relieves stress, which is horrible, a horrible mm. plague in modern society uh, mm-hmm. to have stress. So to meditate even for 20 minutes a day can have a enormous benefit. Mm. You know, I, I want to ask you about, you write so many things in here. I mean, you know, I just literally got glued to this. Uh, but when we come back from break, I want to talk about the mechanical universe for a minute. Because I, I started to look at, you know, uh, what you were writing about Newton. And, you know, I, I think that I've looked at Newton before and I've looked at the laws. But then I'm looking at them and I'm seeing what they say with a different lens today. And I want to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about the third law. To any action, there is always an equal and opposite reaction. We could do like a whole show just on that. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. When we come back, I got a copy of the book to give away. Are you searching? Looking for a sign? A message you need to hear? From the great unknown? From the most mysterious place? That is the most familiar to your soul? In the depths of who you are? The universe puts someone here to talk to. Someone God. 
gave a blessing to that you may find insight with. TheAngelLady.net. 1-800-323-1790. Call the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. Ladies, it's time to treat yourself. Join the Women of Wisdom for their annual fundraiser Saturday, June 4th. This is a sacred pampering day for women at North Seattle College. If you are a business and want to be one of our pamperers, we still have space. It's going to be a day to relax and treat yourself. For more information and to get tickets, visit thewowconference.org. That's the wowconference.org. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine. What in this very moment are you creating or drawing to yourself? Notice your field when you desire something. Are you in agreement from your emotions to your power center? to your sense and desire of security? Do you second guess your intuition or even shut it down? These are clues to what you are about to create. What you have done so far is already here. Every block is a clue and your heart's desire is there to transform it. Are you ready to shift? If you are, visit lesliefontaine.com and let's talk about unfolding all that you want to be, do and have. You'll find sessions, classes, audio products to help remove the blocks and move you into your potential. And listen to my show, Sheer Alchemy, on Transformation Talk Radio, Wednesdays at 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistique Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Hey everybody, welcome back. Loving it. Loving you all. Can you feel the love? I got the love for you guys today. Really just big squeezing it, squeezing it out with you today. Uh, welcome back to Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, also, we're on Transformation Talk Radio because we actually started that network. Uh, and yes, pretty soon, I'm telling you, it's coming. Remember I said to you it's going to be in July? Yeah. Uh, transformationradio.fm. And I do stand corrected. It's going to be 11 channels. It's not 10 channels that we're launching. It's 11 because I did forget the music channel. But if you go over there, um, you know, please know that that is a beta site. Not all the buttons work, but we just want to show you. We're going to just give you a sneak preview, just build in the energy of that and look at what's possible. Today, what's possible today is with my very special guest joining me here today. And the book is The Upright Thinkers. Now, Benny, I would love to be able to give a copy of the book away if we could right now. 1-800, that's our toll-free number. 
uh, 1-800. Oh, by the way, that is in the United States. And yes, we are going to get an international number. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. If you've, had, you've got a question for Leonard, please, please give us a shout and get your question up there or go to transformationtalkradio.com and ask your question on the right hand side. And we will get like right back to you. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. You know, uh, Leonard, they said a lot of really cool things about you in the book, right? You know, powerful, uh, breathing new life into science history. And boy, that's an understatement. Uh, frames narratives of great thinkers and serial scenes of his father, great courage, curiosity. I love this. I love that you did this book. I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't love the other books, but I think this book right now for me is really relatable. You know, given where we are in the world and what we're hearing. But this one thing I pulled out of the book, you're probably thinking, out of all the things I could ask you about, why did I pick this? <laughs> I know you're right. But it, it's, it's when you're talking about Newton and you're talking about the third law. And, you know, you talk about the fact that it's important to note, you know, that in Newton's accounting, right, you go on to talk about that. Um, and then you go on to share the law. It says, to any action, there is always an equal and opposite reaction. And then you say, this innocent-sounding sentence tells us that if a bullet flies forward, the gun moves back. I had to think a lot about that growing up in the Bronx, okay? Um, I wanted you to talk about this because I, I really think that we're seeing a lot of it in the world today, Right. You know, we're just seeing a lot of things. We're seeing a lot of really good, innovative things, right? Like this little, this little five-year-old, you know, Macy Hensley walking around, you know, talking about presidents and, and how, what does it mean to be presidential in the contrast of some things that are not so presidential. So I wanted to get your take on that about why that was important to include in the book and what do we gain from understanding that third law? Well, Newton was important for, you know, far beyond his, his physics. Just as when you study English literature, you, you learn that, gee, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, what we say and how we think comes from Shakespeare. A lot of our, a lot of our sayings comes from Shakespeare. Uh, you don't realize that they were phrases in Shakespeare's plays. It's the same thing in, in Newton. A lot of the way the way we think and the terminology that we use and the way we view the world comes comes from Newton. Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, we talk about right now the momentum of uh, Hillary or of Bernie. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about force, right? Everyone's constantly talking about force. That it's a, you know, let's say this person is a force of nature, or, or uh, I'm going to force you to do something, and all all those terms, which seem very natural and just part of the language, really come from Newton. Uh, way of looking at the world uh, in a physical world, and that third law especially is an interesting one. For every action, there is a reaction, an equal and opposite reaction, because it really is true in our society that when we take actions, we often don't think about what the reactions will be, and the reactions not just uh, that we experience, but that other people uh, experience, and and. Uh, so I think that's just another example of how um, the, the, the framework of thinking that Newton invented mm. is really relevant to everybody, even if you don't know or care about physics. Mm. I think it really is something that we experience at, uh, at, at also at a visceral level as well. 
Uh, but yet, because I think really, it, you know, it right, right. Yeah, I was yeah. Go ahead. Just, you know what's really one of the really interesting uh, things I learned about writing the when I, while I was writing the book was I found a uh-huh. study of infants that mm-hmm. shows that even though we think of Newton as being the great scientist who wrote down these laws that describe the macroscopic world we live in, that even infants know the know the laws. They 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 know how things work. When they if you show infants a situation with uh, blocks or with balls that are rolling, and scientists can arrange it that when they collide with each other, they don't bounce off the way that they would in the in the in the real world. They you know they they use trickery to make them do things that violate Newton's laws. And these infants, six months old, five months old infants, will look at that and they'll be shocked by it. You can tell by their facial expressions and the way they stare that they notice that this is different. That seems to be actually that I'm just since you said that this was innate. Yeah. Yeah. These, these 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 concepts of of action and reaction, momentum and force seem to be something that is really uh, within our brain and that we're born with, with them. Yeah, here's an interesting story. Um, okay, so this may be a dilemma for some people, but I want to share it. You know, um, I I I live in a place, uh, a house, beautiful house uh, that I don't own, but you know, um, live with some folks and all of a sudden there are these robins that want to build a bird nest and they want to build it under the deck upstairs. They want to build it under the eaves of the deck. And so now the robins have decided we're going to build the nest. So they started to build the nest over on one side. And so, you know, my friends are like, nope, we don't want a nest. And so what happens is this interesting dynamic, you know, I'm watching between you know, two sides of a coin. No, we don't want the nest. And the robin saying, I am going to build my nest. No, we don't want the nest. I am going to build my nest. And I, I'm sitting here like, I don't understand why the robin can't just have the nest there. I'm sure there are a lot of reasons, but it doesn't, I, I don't know what they are. But I'm watching this dynamic and I'm really struck by how that level of, of, of let's call it conflict, shows up in the world today. And then I'm also struck by the fact that we use a teeny weeny part of our brain, not even as much as a dolphin. And I'm thinking to myself, how do we get from where we are today? How do we do this, Leonard? How do we get from where we are today? And, and how do we move ourselves forward in a way that we can literally get some smarts? Because I'm not going to take on this battle with this robin. They are not going to quit. Now there's not just one of them building the nest. They got the whole family building the nest. And it's, I'm looking at it right there. And I'm watching this, right? Because the nest keeps getting knocked down. And now here they come. And they're very methodical. And they're like, this is my home. I'm going to build it. They will just not quit. Sometimes we get so stuck in our arguments that we can't step back and see the possibility. And I wanted to ask you about that. How do we get from the argument to the possibility? Well, one thing that I'm hoping that you, you can get from the book is, mm-hmm. is a certain self-awareness of, of what your motivations are and how you think, why you think that way, and what is, what is your place in the, in the world, the world, not just the physical world, but also the world of animals and, and you're in the world of people. And, you know, I think that from that, I'm hoping that, that you people can get a certain um, understanding of other points of view and, um, and a perspective of, of where they are and what mm-hmm. they're doing and an ability to question themselves. And, 
understand maybe why they're being stubborn about something, which <laughs> would be part of that, right? <laughs> Understanding, that's what it seems right? Like to, to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. yeah understanding. Um, you know, I want to ask you this question. How, how do you think folks would have gotten along if all of these folks you mentioned in the book kind of lived in the same hood, right, at the same time? I, I I had to go there with this because I was really struck by all the really incredible people that you, you, you put out here. And I just thought to myself, you know, I always have two questions. One, what would happen if they were all kind of living in the same hood? The next question always is, always is what would happen if they were alive today? Because I really think that today there is a modern day Da Vinci, right? Uh, I think there's a modern day Aristotle. I think there are modern day people, right? We're talking about you. We're talking about Deepak. I think we have modern day folks, but because there's so many people on the planet, uh, I don't know if if folks will be memorable a hundred years from now. You know, what is it that we could learn from the folks you've put in here that we can bring bring forward to today's age and time? Well, you know, from each of them, you, there are there are different lessons that that one can mm-hmm. learn. So one one that that I that I see repeating itself through many of, of their lives is that it's okay to be wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. and that having good ideas and new ideas is, is always a struggle mm-hmm. or at least it's usually a struggle. And even for the greatest geniuses like Newton um, or Darwin, that the, the ideas that, that myths tell us um, came to them in a flash, like Newton mm-hmm. seeing the apple or Darwin seeing the finches are, are, are total totally total myth and that they came through their ideas through a, a struggle through a through a passion for understanding something and through many years of hard work so that you should not be discouraged if whatever you're trying to accomplish is, is, is not coming right away and if you hit roadblocks and brick walls because even those people that we view as the greatest geniuses uh, in history they did that and they had newton spend far far more time uh on fruitless, um, misguided efforts in different areas than he ever did on physics. Uh, he spent many years in alchemy. Uh, he spent a lot of money on an alchemistry lab uh, for himself. He he spent years doing mathematical analysis of the text of the Bible, trying to find a code for when the world is going to end. Um, he did work in physics such as optics that we, we remember him for for being the first person to realize that white light is a combination of colors and it gets split up by a prism. But he did a lot of other work in optics that was totally wrong. And I find these stories inspirational mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think that, uh, you know, I'm I, I kind of stumbling through life and, you know, and things don't always come easy. And I look at that and I go, oh, that's just the way it is. And you asked what happened if they were alive today. This is, yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I mean, not only I mean, Newton, probably if he was alive today, would not be a particularly um, chances are would not be a particularly famous or memorable personality. He he might be, and he was a very smart person. He'd probably be doing some good somewhere in something, but he filled a particular niche that was just ready for it. There was a lot of work done before he got there. Um, he was in the right place at the right time. He worked really hard, but, you know, it, 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 he was in a very fragile and very delicately arranged situation. For instance, if the, 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 the in, in Britain at the time, they had recently create a new kind of postal service with a cheap letters so you could send letters to other people. 
And Newton relied heavily on that because he didn't like other people, didn't, wasn't very social, but he needed their knowledge and their data, and he needed to communicate with them. And if that postal service hadn't been there, he probably couldn't have done what he did yeah. in creating the laws of physics. So, you know, imagine putting him today. Who knows what situation he would be in? And, you know, he, he would still be a smart guy and hopefully passionate and working hard. But to think that he would revolutionize everything, I think, is probably unlikely. And just imagine if he was, um, you know, a minority person born in a poor area where he wouldn't even get schooling. I, I mean, you know, everything in life is, is a combination of, a, of circumstances, luck, you know, as well as your hard work and your talent. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're looking at this now, fast forward to today. I want to just ask you a question. I'm fascinated by this idea, this topic of us not being able to move past using, I don't know, people argue about this, 10%, 11%. You know, here we got this brain, right? And we're looking at the capacity that we have. Uh, and then we watch, you know, our, our fellow uh, dolphin who have literally created a sonar detection system on their own to adapt, right? They use more of their, their cerebral cortex than we do. I'm just stunned. I'm stunned that in the world we live in that we are stuck. We're stuck at we're stuck at this place. Here's my question: Being an upright thinker, do you think we'll ever achieve uh, achieve more than ten percent, or whatever the latest number is? Well, you know, the, the latest number is really that we do use a hundred percent of our brain, and a lot of people talk about that we don't use it all. I, I think what they're thinking is that we may not we may not be conscious, we may not be using it for conscious effort, or we may not be using it wisely, but. Really, we are, we are using all of our brain, and most of our brain is, has nothing to do with what we think of as thinking. It has to do with uh, our motor system, taking care of our balance, of using our muscles, of processing, processing all the data that hits our retina, that goes through our ears. And, uh, you know, the, the amount of your brain that, that is devoted to thought, both conscious thought and unconscious thinking, you know, thinking, is, is really a great minority. Um, but we do, we do use our brain. The question is, you know, how are we using it? Are we using it wisely? And, you know, when you look at other animals, they, they, have, they, they can have um, abilities that far exceed ours. That's why we, 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 what's wrong for us to think that we're, you know, the smartest animals. We're, we're, we're the, the smartest in the areas that, that we recognize as being smart. But, you know, an elephant can, can sense a thunderstorm 100 miles away that's going to come tomorrow, and our weather forecasters have trouble with that. The elephant figures out how to, how to, how to navigate his path around so not to be hit by the thunderstorm. Uh, you know, who knows what's going on in the elephant brain, and those are processes we don't understand very well. But each animal, according to its ecological niche, has uh, amazing abilities that, that we tend to undervalue. You know, if you had to wave a magic wand right now, after everything that you've, you know, you've discovered in your life, your own evolution, and you had the potential right now to make one change, somebody said to you, listen, Leonard, okay, you got the power right now. You can do it. One change. What would that change be? One, one change in our evolution, in our, in our character, you mean? Anything or, you'd like that change to be. You know, for me, it I, may be today, I don't want to be gluten-free anymore. You know? I want to eat bread. Not that I would pick that, but I think about it. A change it. <laughs> for me or 
A change for our species. I thought you were asking about a change for our for our uh, for the nature of our species. Yeah, nature of our species. Uh, of our species. Yeah. Well, I, I I would take away our aggression and our hatred for not one mm-hmm. another. <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah. And, you oh, know that's that's not unusual in primates, by the way. If you put a you know. People fly, you know, uh, someone gives this example, which I love. If you put people on a plane from New York to uh, L.A., when they get off, yeah, some of them may have had some arguments, but they're, and some of them may have become unruly and nasty, but pretty much everyone gets off and goes their own way. You put a bunch of chimps on the plane in New York, by the time they get to L.A., they'll all be dead except one. So, <laughs> I mean, primates are nasty and humans are nasty in our nature. There's a certain element of nastiness um, and aggression. Uh and, uh, you know, I'm sure that helped us in some way uh, to survive in the past. Uh, but I would I think life would be better if, if that wasn't all there and, and there was just love and no hate. Mm. You know, you go through and you take us on this journey through curiosity and culture and civilization and reason. And, and you know, we, we, we get to take this journey with you. But then you bring us to the place of, you know, beyond the human senses and, you know, this is really beautifully done in the book because, yeah, you, you kind of had me at curiosity. But, you know, as I go through this, I wanted to talk with you before this hour is going to be over here in a second about the last part of the book, you know, the invisible realm, the quantum revolution. And I wanted to talk with you about this because this is so, I believe, in the the hearts of people to be able to get to this place and experience it. And I'd love for you to talk about it and where you see us going. Well, when humans figured out how to investigate the world and, you know, created sciences, starting with Newton and physics and, and then chem- and chemistry, which has a long history of its own, uh, looking at how what things are made of, and biology, and life. Uh, by, by the end of the 19th century, people thought they had pretty much figured it out. This is a, an interesting disease that people have. They always think they've pretty much figured it out, <laughs> and they're always wrong. And what happened then was we realized that this all, that all this understanding we have of the macroscopic world wasn't all that there is. We, we began to probe into the invisible world of the atom and molecules and, and particles, and we found that, that, that underlying all the solid things that we see, the, 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 the tabletops and the glasses of water that, that seem to be just a macroscopic object. Uh, all, there's a whole other universe of things going on that follow completely different and bizarre laws of their own. And so we had to start over in our understanding of the world. So we had this understanding of the macroscopic world, our everyday world, and now we had a new hidden world that we had to understand. And that was very interesting, not just the, the, how it works, but how it affected people. A lot of people had trouble accepting it. And you could see a period of decades where the younger people would think it was cool and the older people would think it was repugnant until that all changed over after a few decades. And now people come, people study science, and they all accept quantum theory, and they, they work with it, and they, get, they understand it. But it was an interesting transformation in human thinking that to think that, you know, not just are we not the only planet, we're not the only uh, you know, species on the Earth that, that, that has a brain, but um, you know, our world that we perceive is not the only world. There's a hidden world, and it's right here under our noses, and we, you know, and, and, you know, and we, gained by, we gained a lot from that, because all the technology that, that drives our communication, our medicine, our, our entertainment, is all based on this quantum theory. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if we go back, uh, none of that would be there. Yeah. 
Um, you know, there's so much that you cover in the book. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And again, please give out your website. And then I've got one last question for you. Um, what is your personal message and what would you like to leave us with today? And please feel free. I'd love to have you back at any time. Thank you for doing all that you do. Well, thanks, Patty. Um, my website is leonardmalabno.com. That's L-E-O-N-A-R-D-M-L-O-D-I-N-O-W.com. If you forget my name, just look up Hawking, Stephen Hawking's books, and I'm the guy who wrote a couple books with him. Mm -hmm. And my message would be to uh, follow your passions in life and, and, and follow your heart and to envision and, uh, a, the reality for yourself that, that you would be happy in and strive to achieve that. Awesome. Okay, I have one more question. Right. Do, you have, do you have a favorite in the book, do you have like? Is it Einstein? Is it Hawkins? Who is it? Do you have a fave? Oh, uh, well, you know there was a one of my. I, I guess my my favorite character in the book is a, yeah. not necessarily a nice fellow, but a guy named Paracelsus. <laughs> he was a drunk and and, uh, and a crazy um, guy, but he had such a colorful life, and uh, he he was responsible for helping to change alchemy from things like trying to turn lead into gold to try to make medicine <laughs> using it. And, and it was one of the founders of modern chemistry. So I awesome. thought he was a cool, interesting character. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Awesome. Thank you so very much for all that you do. I mean, this is a fabulous book. Um, and it really is kind of intriguing, you know, for me to go through it. And it gives us some new narrative to really experience and absorb, uh, as, does, as does your work does in general. So thank you so much, Leonard. Thank you for today. Um, wow, everybody. This hour just flew right by. Uh, we want to take a short break here. And uh, when we're back, what we're going to do is we'll be back with Sue Storm. She will be in the house. For more information about us, go check us out. The DrPatShow.com. Yeah, we're on iHeartRadio. I'm not sure how we're out there doing all that, but we're right there. Uh, as well as Transformation Talk Radio. Short break now. Benny, put, thank you for pushing all the, all the right buttons. Leonard, thank you for a great show. And all of you, thank you for turning that dial on, hitting that button, and making it happen. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.